canceled the announcements. Like, wow, God is speaking to us through this beautiful song that you, you put on. Just set us up for what I believe God wants to do as an impartation of his love for us this morning. So I want you to strap yourselves in. I want you to open your hearts wide, wide open to what I believe God is going to say to us this morning. It's been so clear that, um, sorry, it's been so clear that he's, he's moving in this direction. So we've just come off um, a couple of days on, on leave where we just had some time to just be removed from uh, work. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I want to say to you, you aren't work, but you are. You know, our job, a shepherd, a shepherd, yeah, a shepherd's job is to look after the sheep, but the shepherd also loves the sheep. So there are times when for your sake and ours, we need to just withdraw and we need to spend some time as a family and with the Lord one-on-one. And um, the message that I felt the Lord speak to me about is one which I feel is really central to the gospel, but often we've heard it so much that we forget and we've heard it so much that it stops being experiential for us. We stop feeling it here and it becomes something that we know here. And the love of God is actually something like that. We know God loves you. If I say to you, God loves you, how many of you would disagree with me? Probably none. So you know it, but do you know it? And uh, on, on Friday night, uh, I was putting the kids down and I went and gave Danny his hug and, and then... Uh, I went into Tatum's room and she said to me, Dad, won't you lie with me quickly? And I was like, oh, absolutely. And I jumped into bed and I was cuddling her and she just, her and Chantel just washed her hair and her hair smelled so fragrant and just fresh and beautiful. And I said, oh my God, your, your, uh, your hair just smells so beautiful. And I, I'm a hugger. For those of you who don't know, I'm a hugger. I'm a cuddler. I like physical contact. So I was just enjoying this moment with my daughter. And luckily she's still at an age where it's not uncool to still love dad. So I'm sucking up every single bit of that time that I possibly can. But there was just this moment as I had it in my arms when, you know, I, I desired nothing else in the world. And I, and I required absolutely nothing from my daughter in that moment. I didn't need anything from her other than her just to be with me and to allow me to be with her. And in that moment, there was just a sense of the weight that it is to be a father and a weight that it is to be someone who loves other people. Because, you know, when I love you, there's a sense of I will protect you. When I love you, there's a sense of I will sacrifice for you. I will lay down for you. I will give up my very life if I need to for you. And, um, and there's just this overwhelming sense of love that came over me. And I felt like the Lord said, Sean, that's how I feel about every single person that you're going to speak to on Sunday. And there are going to be those that are going to come on Sunday that need to hear this word. So I want you to listen today in the first person. I don't want you to listen for your friends that are not here. I don't want you to listen for that person. I don't want you to listen for your husband or your wife that didn't come this morning. I want you to listen for you. Because this is what God wants to say to you. So if we can go to 1 John 4, verse 7 to 12, I want you to read with me. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's a statement. It's a declaration. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. This is how God showed his love among us. 
he sent his one and only son into the world that he might that that we might live through him this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins dear friends since god so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen god but if we love one another god lives in us and his love is made complete in us isn't that beautiful it really is it's phenomenal just a profound scripture and i'm going to pull that apart a little bit more um but let's also just go to john 4 verse 18 to 20. and i want to say to you i feel like for some of you this morning this is a key scripture this is something you need to internalize you need to let it sink in there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love we love because he first loved us if anyone says i love god yet hates his brother he is a liar for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love god who he has not seen that's a profound statement it's very very deep it's, it's basically what it's saying is there's no fear in love there's no fear in love for yaku and carla this morning their community was on duty they needed to be here and they for whatever reason didn't it didn't happen okay don't be embarrassed oh, he's blaming his wife now and you know what happened the rest of the church just jumped in and got the job done no harm no foul no and there needed to be no fear in your heart because what is fear fear is to do with punishment there's no punishment for you guys because we love you and love covers over a multitude of sins and i want to let you know that god loves you and there's no fear in it there's no fear in the love of god there's the fear of god but there's no fear of the love of God. You don't have to be afraid of the love that he has for you. It'll never come up short. It'll never hurt you. It'll never break you. It'll never disappoint you. His love is perfect. But then he says to us, if anyone says, I love God, how many of us would say we love God? Hopefully most of you. <laughs> I love God. I love God. I love God. But you don't get me started on his church. Don't love them. I don't. And you know what? Some of you might actually have real justifiable reasons why you don't love this church. You may have been abused and misused and, and, and all the rest of those sort of things. And, and for that, I, I truly, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you experienced that at the hands of men because we men are fallible and broken and corrupted and we get it wrong. And hopefully, if I ever get it wrong, you will come to me and you'll say, Sean, that wasn't right. Please, can we help fix it? And I promise you, there's no fear in love. When you come to me in humility and in love and you say, I've been hurt by what you've done, my heart's condition will be, because I love God, I have to love you. And I'm going to make right with you and I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me what I've done wrong so that I can be forgiven, so that I can repent and we can make it right. Because that's how I love you. And that's how I love God. So I want you to know that there is no fear in his love. And if I had to come up to you and say to you, Kevin, Kev, who are you? Just two, in two sentences, who are you? 
the man. <laughs> Two sentences. If someone meets you for the very first time, you say, hi, I'm Kevin. I'm Kevin. And who am I? I'm, I'm a person, I'm a human being, I'm a husband of... Uh, there we go, that's it. Right. So when you meet somebody, when you meet somebody for the very first time, what would you say to them? How would you identify yourself? How would you describe yourself? Hi, my name is Sean. This is my wife, Chantel. I'm the father of three kids, and I, I, I'm, I lead a church. You might define yourself by your job. You might define yourself by your marital status. You might define... I've had people in this area define themselves by the school that their kids go to. Hi, my name is so-and-so. Yeah, my son goes to Beaumont. Or hi, I'm so-and-so. My son goes to Duhurp. Heaven forbid I get defined by the school that my son goes to. You. But how does God define himself? He defines himself. He says, I am love. That's who he says. He goes, hi, I'm God. I'm love. Lovely to meet you. I'm love. Out of all the things that he could have chosen to use, he uses that specific thing. But then he says to us, as I am love, he says, yet he hates his brother, he is alive. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. So you know that we can actually be God-like. I'm not saying we can be God, but I'm saying we can be God-like. So if his father and son walk into a room, often you can go, that's Shane's son, or that's Trevor's son, or that's Sean's son. We can see something of the father and the son without actually even knowing who they are. And in John 13, verse 34 to 35, it says this, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we look like Jesus. We look like the one that says, hi, I am love. When we do what? When we love here. It's very interesting for me in this text that God doesn't say, a new command I give to you, love me as I have loved you, so that you must love me. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love me. He doesn't say that actually, hey. He's talking to us about the love one for another, the love that exists over here. And that love actually is a lot more difficult because you do see me. You do see me. You see me in all my brokenness, in all my fraughtness. Maybe I remind you of that bully in school, that guy that made you feel worthless. And when you see me, it's hard to love me because you can't get past what your eyes are telling you. Maybe when you see me, you see the old leader in your ex-church that misused you and abused you and didn't make it about you. It was all about him. It was all about your tithe and it was all about what you could do for the church. And you look at me and you see him. And you can't love me. And I can't love you in return. Because if I come to Charles and I want to love him and he shuns me, I can't love him. My heart is to, but I can't. So when we want to look like Jesus, our job is to do the last bit. Oh, sorry, well, to do this bit. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. If you want to experience the love of God in your own life, you need to start loving the person next to you. Yeah. 
You have to start. It's key. Brothers, you need to love sisters. Sisters, you need to love brothers. Moms, you've got to love dads. Dads, you've got to love moms. And our sons. And can I tell you something else? Maybe you need to love you too. I think many of us don't love ourselves. The Bible actually says, Be, um, treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. <laughs> I wonder if you treated your neighbor as you treat yourself, how nasty they would feel. Huh? Let's be real. What are you saying to yourself? No one loves me. No one appreciates me. I can't do what he does. I'm not as strong as him. I'm not as fast as him. I'm not as nice as him. Everyone loves Kevin. No one loves me. Imagine you were saying that to the next door neighbor. Kevin, no one loves you. You're not fast. You're not strong. He's better. He's stronger. He does things quicker. He listens more. Be a little bit kinder to yourself because you know why? Because Jesus died for you. And who are you to call unworthy that which he has called worthy? So that's all right. So going back to the moment I had with Tatum, obviously in, in this, this moment, I'm just, I'm so aware that my love for her, I didn't need anything. She just needed to love me. And, and she had my love. She had it. She had it without any reservation. And in that love, there was a sense of protection. There was a sense of provision. I felt the weight of this is mine. And I've been steward. I've given this to steward. But I knew that there will come a time, and I do know that there will come a time where either willingly or unwillingly, she's going to hurt me. She's going to reject me. She's going to reject my love. There's going to be a disobedient moment or there's going to be a careless word. We're sinful. We've got a sinful nature. It's going to happen. But I was also very aware of the fact that it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter what my girl does. I will love her. For some of you that are sitting in this room, perhaps your, your son or your daughter didn't turn out the way that you planned. Maybe your son or your daughter doesn't know the Lord. Do you hate them? Maybe today, maybe this morning, one of your children disobeyed you, cut you off, was harsh with you, maybe even swore at you. Does it change the fact that you love them? No. So I want to go to some scripture to let you know, ma'am, sir, my friends, I want to let you know what God says to you this morning. Can we go to Romans 8? Who? Now I want you to put yourself in there. This is the first person. I'm going to say to me, who shall separate Sean from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we face death all day. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Next verse. Uh, yeah, that for, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the powers, neither high, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate Sean from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
There's no dot, dot, dot. It's a full stop, end of the sentence. We stop right there. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, there is not a thing on this earth that can separate you from the love of God. It does not exist. It's not there. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow! Should that not bring a joyful exclamation to our hearts? As I read that, I just remembered, I know the things I've done wrong. God sees what you don't see. God sees what my wife doesn't see, what my kids don't see. He sees the moments where I put other things on his throne. He sees the moments where I give myself to the things of this world that are not his. He sees all those things. And you know what he says to me? I love you still. I love you still. And all he requires of me is that I simply just run back into his love. How do I practically do that? What does it look like? He's not the God of timeouts. He doesn't go, okay, well, Kev, you know, I hear you, sorry, but can you just go sit in the corner for five minutes and think about what you've said? Or think about what you've done? Or actually, you know, Kev, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Off you go. Out of my presence. He actually doesn't do that to us. He says, come on back. I love you. Nothing will separate you from my love. Now let's talk about what you've done. Let's have a little conversation. Because you know what, Kevin, the wages of sin is death. So that thing that you've been doing, we need to stop it. We need to stop that thing. It's not going to help you. You see, it's the love of God and his love of justice that says to us, come back. And take ownership of what you've done. If I kick the speaker and throw it down and smash it, it's going to break. Does it separate me from the love of God? No, it doesn't. But the consequence is still there. That speaker no longer works. Someone's going to have to pay for it. But it doesn't mean that we don't have the love of the Father. Does this make sense? Am I tensioning this right? I want you to know that nothing can separate you from the love of God. But you have to choose to run back into it. You have to choose to go back. And what does the enemy want to do? He wants to pull you to the side. He wants to derail you. And he's going, you can't run back to him. I can't come into church this morning because we forgot that our community on duty and Sean's going to be angry with us. No. We just move on. But run back to him. Don't allow those things to stop you. If you've had a week where you've blown it, Maybe husband to wife, you've blown it. Maybe father to son or father to daughter or father to children, you've blown it. Maybe it was with your boss. Maybe this was the week that you actually just said, you know what, why don't you go and take a long walk off a short pier? I've had it with you. Maybe you spent last night on the couch. Or you sent your loved one to go and sleep there. The fact is that doesn't separate you from the love of God, nor does it separate that person. But it doesn't separate us from the consequence. And sometimes, in fact most times, the consequence of love says, come on back. Let's just have a little talk about this. Thank you very much, I appreciate that. (laughs) Nice to get a bit of feedback. You know... The love of God compels us to love one another. If you've got something in your heart this morning towards somebody else, go and sort it out. 
Seriously, just sort it out, man. Why do you want to carry that burden? If God says that I love you, I am love, and if you love me, go and love your neighbor as you love yourself, they want to just do it. But we build these things up in our heart and offense grows and we, it's like we actually, we get the offense and the enemy throws the fertilizer on and before you know it, your heart is full of weeds and it doesn't need to be. You don't have to call in garden services. You could, if you do need to, Shane and Alice, amazing, they do great stuff. But you don't have to call in garden services because actually God is the one who said, be, and everything there was grow, grown. And if Jesus could, if God could send Jesus to die on the cross, to take a step down from being God into our reality, to come and die on a cross, a painful death and a horrible death, an excruciating death for you and I, can we not walk across the room and say sorry? I think we can. And the word says to us that by this you will know that may are my disciples, by their love, one to another. Sort these things out, guys. Keep short accounts. We need to. And then finally, I want to say, because God loves us, and I'm going to repeat this, focus on because God loves us, He will discipline us. He will. And it's in the Word, and I want to go to Proverbs 3, verse 11 to 12, and it says, My son or my daughter... Do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines he, those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Come on, Sean, couldn't you have landed it just a little bit softer? Couldn't you have really finished strong with the good news? Can I tell you something? That is the good news. That is the good news. If you are a legitimate son, if you are in him and him in you, then the time will come where discipline will be meted out. The problem is that most of us and modern science is telling you that discipline is the wrong thing to do. Discipline is bad. Discipline is abusive and repressive. It's intolerant. It's, you know, unequal. Who are you to lord your power over somebody else? So we've, been, we've almost been brainwashed to think that discipline is negative. <laughs> I'm here because of discipline. Yeah. If my mom and dad hadn't chosen to choose to discipline me when I went skateboarding down the road on my back just after they told me not to, I probably could have got hit, with, hit by a car the next day. But they love me enough to come and literally turn around, rip me off the skateboard, take me and give me a good hiding. I said, don't do that again. And you know what? I didn't do it again. No mom's laughing because it's true. It's true. I'm not saying, and, and I want to I pull this distinction down. I want to say to you that the discipline of the Lord is perfect in love. The discipline of the Lord is perfect in love. It is not the angry discipline of a father who can't control his temper or that overbearing teacher that smacked you on the hand in front of the whole class and embarrassed you. It's not that discipline. It's the discipline that leads to life. It's not the discipline that leads to death. And for most of us in this room, actually, if I say to you discipline something and you go, 
And if I like that, I don't want discipline. I'm scared of it. It brings me fear. But what does the word of God say earlier that we read? There is no fear in love. Many of us have had just horrible things done to us. We've had discipline done in a very, very unhealthy, ungodly way. Because the world is broken. And most of the people that you're going to find in a place of authority don't know Jesus, so they don't know love. But if we are in Jesus and we are filled with love, then the word says, don't despise the discipline. So when you come to us and you say you want to do something that's a bit silly, we're going to say, I don't think that's a good idea. Don't do it. Because we love you. And we want to keep you on the right track. And ultimately, I'm going to give an account for you, just like Rian will give an account for you. Why would I let you go and willingly run into the street in front of a Mack truck when I can stop you from doing that? Why would God do it? And I want to say to you that depending on how you were brought up, you're going to have a view of discipline when it comes for you. We are required, as as a leader, I am required to, it's a requirement, it's a command of the Lord to speak into your lives, to hold you accountable, to say, guys, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. If it's sin, I've got to call it sin. That doesn't mean I don't love you. I call it because I love you. And so does Ryan, and so does the rest of the eldership team. That's within the life of the church. Sorry, I'm very loose with my spit this morning. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, my wife is instructing me to take my water break. I want to ask you, if you get a phone call from me or from Ryan this week, Ryan, how's the Sean, yeah. Can we go for a coffee? What's your first, I want you to be honest now. What would your first reaction be? How many, and I want a show of hands, how many of you would be like, awesome, I get to spend time with Sean? And how many of you would be like, oh, what did I do wrong? There we go. Thank you, you guys are honest. The rest of you just wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my, for many years, my reaction was, as soon as I got a call from an elder to go for coffee, I was like, yo. Pricewaterhouse Coopers didn't have auditing skills as good as mine. I was auditing my life over the last 20 years. I was repenting for sins that I did before I even came into the life of the church. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. Whatever I've done. And every time I got into a meeting with the elder, you know what happened? They just loved me. And maybe they needed to just adjust one or two things. But I never, ever, I can tell you honestly, I've never walked out of a meeting with an elder, ever. Feeling like, yo, I felt like I got whipped there. Because that's not love. Love doesn't lord it over. So let's have a look actually in 1 Peter 5. This is what it says. This is, this is God's command to me. And to Rian and to the rest of the elders and the leaders in your life. It says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, as a witness of Christ's suffering and the one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers. I want to just pause here. Overseers means that I'm looking over. Do you know that sometimes you're going to be too close to a situation in your life to see it clearly? Because you're in it. The tackies hit the tar, the rubbers hit the road, and you're in it, and it just, you don't see the way out. 
Overseers are those that are looking over and going, whoa, hold on, there's a pothole. Stop the car, go a little bit left. Not because you must, but because you're willing. Key, no one's forcing me to do this job. I'm not in it for the money, contrary to what many people on Facebook in this area seem to think churches are about. Because if there is the money, like cheapest, I've missed it somewhere. Somebody needs to help me, please. I'm not in it for the money. And sometimes I'm not even in it for you. I'm in it for him. And because he says to me that I am love, and if you love me, you love them. So your safety net is the fact that I love God. And because I love him, I'm commanded to love you, which means that if you offend me 10 times, I have to forgive you 11. And I've got to forgive you in love. And we start on a blank check. There's no record of wrongs. We're moving forward. So it's not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, hallelujah, but eager to serve. And this is key. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. How many, how many in this room have met with me for a coffee? Put your hands up. There's a couple. There should be a lot more, but we'll get there. Have, any, have, I, have, I, have I rebuked and hurt any of you? I want an honest answer. Have any of you left the meeting with me feeling hurt? You can say, if you have, you can say yes. I'll apologize in front of everybody, I promise you. Has any of you left hurt? Has some of you maybe left challenged? Have some of you felt like, ish, I needed to be corrected in a little something? Absolutely. But I'm not lording it over your faith. When you come, for me for, when you come to us as elders for, for counsel, for advice, we can present what we see as the truth and then the choice is yours. I'm not lording it over you. I can't tell you what to do. I don't have that authority. It's not the delicated authority of God. If it's sin, I can tell you to stop. And I will tell you to stop because it's going to kill you. Sin gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. I don't want you to die, so I'm going to tell you don't do it. But I can't tell you what to do with your life. I can try and show you the path. I can show you where the grazing grounds are, and I can try, I'm trying to get you to go there. That's why we do this. The discipline of the Lord is rooted in love. The discipline of the Lord is not rooted in breaking down and hurting you. We love you guys. Because God loves you. He is love. I want to finish with 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. I want to say to you that this is my heart condition when I wake up in the morning. And I tell you, this is not easy. This is not easy. Because the fact is, I wake up every single morning knowing that I have to love a bunch of people that at some point might not love me back. I've got to love a bunch of people that, are, that might, at one stage, leave this church and tell people how I haven't loved you, even though it's not true. It's happened multiple times. So do I stop loving you because that happened? No, I can't. So I want to give you, this is the key. If you want to live a happy life, free from offense, free from anger, this is where you need to live. This is my heart's condition. When I call you for a coffee, this is what you should hear. This is a song you should hear, this song ringing in your head. 
This is my heart condition when I meet with you. And it's the same with Ruan, and it'll be the same with any of the elders within the life of this church. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude, self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Guys, this one, it always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That's where we've got to live. That's our heart condition. If God is love, we become love with him. And he says, if I love you, you love them. We love one another. This is what it all comes down to. We're always protecting. I'm always protecting. I'm always going, no, but hold on, there must be a reason. There must be something. I'm always trusting. I'm always going, no, man, I believe the best about this person. I'm always hoping. I I hope that's not the case. But if it is, you know what? We're going to persevere. We're going to work our way through this. We're going to find unity and love again. Why? Because God is love. Does it make sense? If we as a church can live in this place, when love protects, that means when someone comes and yak, 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 yak in my ear about you, do you know what happens? Stop, Lori. Have you had this conversation? Does this person, are you comfortable for this person to hear? Can I go from this meeting and go and tell them what you've said? If I can't, then I'm not protecting you. I'm not protecting you and the other person. So then I'm going to go, well, you know what? Come, Kev, let's go together. I'll come with you. Maybe you're nervous. Maybe you don't like conflict. Maybe it's not easy for you to to speak up when you're offended or hurt or disappointed. I'll come with you. I'm going to make it safe. I'm going to protect. Let's go together. When someone comes and says that someone has said something to me or about me or whatever the case may be, or has come and said something about you, you've got to know I'm always going to trust the best. I'm always going to believe the best. I'm always going to hope the best. And I promise you, there is nothing that we will ever get to where I'm not willing to persevere as long as you are. And that's the same as the Father. It's in the Father. It's through the Father. It's only by the Father that we can be protected and trusted and hopeful and persevered. It's through the love of God. And this morning I wanted to, I wanted to say th- these things to you, that you are loved because God is love. He is love. That's who he is. That's how he's chosen to define himself in the scriptures that we've read. And I feel like maybe for some of us that are here this morning, we, we've lost sight of that fact. Because people or the world or even our own selves or just the enemy has just told you that you are not loved. That you, no one finds any value in who you are. And I want to tell you, the scriptures are there. If you want the scriptures, we can, I can share them with you. And you can read them day in and day out to know that nothing, 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 inverted commas, highlight, exclamation mark, little doikis around it, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You need to know that. You need to own that this morning. You need to let that thing sink in. But I also felt, for some, maybe you've never known the love of God. Maybe you hear me talking about this Jesus and you hear me talking about it. You've never actually entered into a relationship with the living God. 
And I want to make an, I want, when you're going to pray in a moment, I want to make a, an, an opportunity available to you to respond to that. Where you can say, yes, actually I want this Jesus. I want to know this God of love. I need his love. I need his protection and his hope and his trust and his perseverance. I need that in my life. And then the third group of people that I feel, and this is where I think most of us are going to live, is I feel like some of us need to actually just allow God to come and heal where people have disciplined us illegitimately. Maybe your husband was too harsh with you. Happens. I'm sorry, ladies, it happens. We, we, are, we can be unfeeling, unemotional, and we can, we can sting you when we should have loved you. Maybe it's been a boss or a teacher, someone that you trusted, and in a moment of vulnerability, you came to them and they hurt you. And it skewed your view of God's love. It skewed your view of God's discipline. And it's been a weight that you've carried with you, maybe even from primary school. And I felt like today is the day where God says, I want to take that thing away. I want to get rid of it. It's, it's entangling you. It's stopping you from coming into all that I want to give you. It's stopping you from experiencing the love that I have for you. So maybe we can just close our eyes. Oh, but maybe you can come and play or Audrey or whatever. So my first group is obviously those that perhaps have never actually given their lives to the Lord. You've never publicly confessed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive you for your sins. You've never positioned yourself to go into the love of God. And I can't close this meeting without at least asking, is there anybody here that has never confessed their life to Christ? Ask for forgiveness of their sin and ask Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. Is there anyone who has never done that and who would like to do that now? If there is, I want to ask you if you would just be so brave as just to slip your hand up. Eyes are closed. No one's watching. It's just me and God. And I don't want to let this moment go. Is there anyone And for those who've been sitting here today, you've heard the love of God and this message has moved your heart, but you just, you're not feeling it, man. You just haven't, you, you feel dry, separated, a million miles away from God. And me talking about His love is something that you're hearing, but it's not something that you're experiencing. And I feel like today there's a moment for us as a church to get around each other and to pray. So if there's anybody that just feels like they need a touch from heaven, they need God to pour out his love upon them, then I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind, please, just to stand up. Don't miss this moment. It's not about, it's not about reactions. It's not about me getting 10 people standing to go, I've got a successful preach. And I know there's some here. I know there's some of you here that need a touch from heaven. You need a touch from the living God. You need experience of his love. So I'm asking you, please stand. Thank you. Thank you. Even if it's one, 
thank you. And then finally, perhaps those of you who just, you've been hurt, you've been abused, you've been misused, and your view of God's love is harsh, filled with discipline and anger, disappointment and abuse. And you've still got something in your heart this morning against a teacher, a father, an elder, a leader in the church, a president of some sports club, a captain of a team, whoever it may be. Somebody that you thought loved you and disappointed you and they've hurt you. I really feel like the Lord says this morning is a day to be done with that thing. That I want to take that root out and I want to remove it as far as the east is from the west. So I want to ask if that is you. Please won't you stand as well. Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you. There's more. I know there is. Don't miss. Don't miss what the the Lord is doing. He creates moments for us. And this is a moment where you can have people gather around you and pray for you and minister to you. And you can let go of the pain. You can let go of the hurt. You can let go of the anger. If you should be standing, stand, don't sit. Because in a moment we're going to move on. So if I can ask, can we maybe just get a couple of people just together around those guys that have stood? Just get, let's just quickly now just move to those people. I want to give you another chance. If there's anyone else that wants to stand up and to receive prayer, even if it's just for something else, there's no judgment. No one's sitting here taking notes. If there's someone else that wants prayer, stand. Let us pray for you. Make yourself known. Just twinkle your fingers. We're going to pray. All right. Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you, Lord, that you are love. And that your love looked like something. Your love was so violent and so active that you sent your son to die on the cross so that we could be reconciled to you. Forgiven for our sins and brought into an everlasting covenant with you. For those that are standing this morning, Lord, that have just needing a touch of heaven, I pray, Father, would you just pour out your spirit upon them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you move over this place, touching each heart that needs you, even if they've sat, they're not excluded. Would you deposit love in their heart like they've never experienced before, Holy Spirit? I thank you for those, Lord, that perhaps have got forgiveness that they need to deal with. There's areas of their hearts that have become so calloused and hard towards another man or a woman or another person that they're no longer able to receive your love. I ask you now, Lord, now, that you would break that yoke in Jesus' name the yoke of bitterness and unforgiveness and anger, even hate. 
spirit of unforgiveness in Jesus' name, go. Go. Spirit of anger, spirit of hate, go. Go in Jesus' name. Maybe if you're standing, maybe you can just say that with me. For those of you who are being prayed for, maybe or they're being prayed for, just say this with me. Spirit of unforgiveness, go. I command you in Jesus' name. Spirit of hate, go. I command you in Jesus' name. Spirit of bitterness, go. I command you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that your love has the ability to break the yoke. Would you come and break yokes of people today in Jesus' name? Would your spirit move through this place like a wave and just wash away all those feelings, wash away all the pain, wash away all the bitterness, wash away the unforgiveness. And let the spirit of love, let the one who is love come and invade hearts here this morning, Lord, like never before. Father, would you set us free from the things that have entangled us? Set us free from the limitations on your love. As you're in your groups, just pray. Just pray for those people. Just pray. For those of you who are seated and are not actively involved there, just pray for them as well. Just pray that the Lord would set free, would set free in Jesus' name. We're set free in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid. It's natural for there to be tears. It's natural for there to be an outbreaking of these things. As God sets us free, breaks us out of these things, He's able. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let God have His way.